Welcome to Weight Loss and Wellness for Real, the podcast where people like you get the practical solutions and support you need to permanently lose the physical and mental weight so you can feel better and live the life you want in the body and mind you want. If you're looking to overcome your stress eating, overeating, binging behaviors, and move to a place of freedom with food and your body, you're in the right place. Just a reminder that this podcast represents my own opinions. The content here should not be taken as medical advice. The content here is for educational and informational purposes only. Please consult your doctor or healthcare professional for any individual medical questions you may have. Hey y'all, hope you had a good week. I wanted to start off with just a couple of housekeeping things. If you listened to my previous podcast, the one right before this, um, there was a technical error or two in that in regards to the editing. It was something tried to figure out and just couldn't. So left the podcast up. I think it was just in one spot, but if you noticed it, I apologize. I know that can kind of disrupt the the stream of consciousness as you're listening to a podcast. Um, But like I said, I am really uh, not so good at the technical aspect of this all and I'm still learning. So hopefully I will get into how to edit a little bit better, um, but just not have that occur again. So today we are going to talk about psychological flexibility. And this is a topic I've been posting on the whole previous week. But I really also wanted to do a podcast on it because psychological flexibility, the whole concept behind it is something that can really be used and is what I use in helping my coaching clients for weight loss. I also obviously use a lot of these things I'm going to be talking about within therapy as well. Um, But I really love taking those therapeutic concepts and applying them uh, to my coaching clients who are looking to lose weight, I I use these concepts myself in daily life um, to to maintain my health, all those things. So I really do believe in them. I know they can work, and this really is a different coming from a different level um, for weight loss. You know, oh, we can. There are just so many things out there. People who are trying to lose weight, get healthy. You know, and there's all these programs and all these ways of eating. And um, I've even coached clients in this way previously until I kind of adopted this new way of working with clients who are trying to lose weight. And, you know, all those programs, all those plans, they they can work for us at some points and times in our life. And, um, you know, I'm not saying they're not useful. But what I really find important for people to really get to the pinnacles of their life where they are feeling healthy, where they are feeling good in their bodies, where and, and, and it's easy, it's easy to maintain that, you really have to do this deeper work underneath some of it. And that doesn't mean that all kinds of trauma comes up or you know that you're going to end up having to see a therapist or anything like that. It just means there's some deeper thought work to be done that can really help move your weight loss journey along, that can really help make it happen quicker, make it feel so much easier, and then really make it last. So that's what I'm going to be talking about today. And 
this might go a little long as I kind of wrote out my outline for it. I realized it's almost double of what I kind of have. So I, I thought about splitting this into two podcasts, but I really don't want to do it. I just want, you know, I want the concepts to be in one space to make it easy. So if this does go a little long, um, you know, because I was trying to kind of keep these at, you know, right around a half hour. But if it does go a little bit long, um, maybe, you know, split it up into two listens or something like that. But all the information in here, I really do believe in. And I think it's really important. If you're looking to lose weight, this is imperative type work. Also, though, the stuff I'm going to talk about can be applied to every aspect of your life, whether you have a weight issue, a health issue or not. This is all, these are all things that can be applied, um, like I said, to every goal you might have, to every aspect of life. This really is about living more meaningful and purposeful lives. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about psychological flexibility. One definition is that, you know, it's coming into full contact with very painful experiences that, by the way, all of us as humans are going to experience no matter what throughout our entire lifetime. Um, It's also coming into full contact with uniquely chosen values, which we'll talk about more, while really consciously, like on purpose, choosing to act and behave and engage in a meaningful life. So that's the, you know, sort of this rounded definition of psychological flexibility. It allows us to stay rooted in the present moment when really difficult thoughts or feelings and sensations come up. And it enables us to take a broader, more holistic, like um, backed up view of the situation we're dealing with instead of basing our decisions or actions on the fluctuating thoughts and a moment and emotions that we're experiencing in that moment. So, you know, this is about developing the capacity to choose our responses according to our deeply held values and the long-term vision that we have for our life. So you can imagine in the weight loss world, you know, if you're trying to lose some weight, how we would apply this here is the idea that, you know, you have an urge to overeat, to eat something um, that maybe is not on your plan that's not going to help you accomplish that goal of weight loss. And typically because that urge comes up, those sensations, you know, it overtakes you, you give in, you eat the thing, you feel guilty later, then you eat more to get rid of the guilt, that whole cycle that we always are talking about. Um, With psychological flexibility and practicing it and learning it and implementing it, implementing it in that situation, what happens is you are really able to pause and take a look at in that moment, okay, hold up. What are my values here? My values are health. And because that's one of my top values, I'm trying to lose weight and to lose weight, you know, I can't eat this right now. That's not gonna, that does not align with my values. And, and it's so, I I mean, I, I mean, for some of you, this may sound like there's no way this is possible, but I am telling you, I experienced this myself after doing all this work. I have clients who experience this daily and it is such a sense of freedom where you are not compelled to eat the thing. (laughs) Okay. So, and that doesn't mean we always choose that. Sometimes we maybe do to eat the thing, but it's because we've made a decision on purpose. All right. So that's really where using some of this stuff can come into play. So I'm going to give you a little background on psychological flexibility because this really comes from a theory that I follow and use often within my practice with my coaching and my therapeutic counseling clients. So um, this, you know, well, 
I, you've probably heard or the one that most people hear about the counseling theory that's used is cognitive behavioral therapy. And that is a theory on how to help people make changes in their life. And it's, it comes with a whole bunch of um, strategies, tactics, tactics. It, it focuses a lot on thinking and behavior. Um, and there's lots of strategies that you go in with, with clients, partner with them to sort of help use some of these cognitive behavioral strategies to change things in their life. And I love that theory and I use it quite often. I weave it in all the time. Another one I use a lot is neuro-linguistic programming. And I'm not going to get into this here because I'm trying to short the, shorten this up, but you could Google it and take a look at, to what that's all about. But you will also find that once you know what it is woven into so much of the things I talk about, or if you're working with me, um, the things that we talk about in session or how I weave it in. Um, but the one, the framework, the theory that I, that just for me, really resonates and hits home and that I use most of the time is called acceptance and commitment therapy. And it really is a framework where I get to partner with my clients, um, my coaching or my counseling clients, and it gives us a way together to sort of conceptualize the mindset that is going to help get them to their goals or to alleviate some of the symptoms that they're coming to see me for. So, um, it helps to alleviate anxiety, depression. It also helps to get people then moving on to their goals and living the life that they really want to be living. Uh, acceptance and commitment theory, therapy just gives us a set of tools that there is a way that we can work with our pain where it doesn't have to exclusively exclusively govern our behavior. A lot of times when we're in pain, whether physically, psychologically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, all those things, it, that pain really influences so much our, of our thinking and our behaviors and our habits and those sorts of things. So ACT or acceptance and commitment therapy really gives us um, a framework and the tools to understand how to experience pain physically, mentally, emotionally, relationally, all those things. And while experiencing the pain, be able to go into acceptance of it and not refute it, not deny it, not refuse it. And through this process, then we are able to come out of it quicker, easier, and really move forward in the goals we have for our life. Acceptance and commitment therapy, ACT, it really is a form of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, where the aim is to really help people live very rich, full, and meaningful lives while accepting the pain and difficulties that will inevitably arise along the way. So if you want to get into the differences, you can Google all that. But really, the one of the big differences between ACT and CBT therapy is ACT, Acceptance and Commitment Therapy, really includes that pain piece, which I believe is so important because that is simply a part of life. We are all going to experience pain, um, sometimes on the daily, definitely on the weekly, you know, all these things. So I believe this is just such a broader theory that can really help us figure out how to live through that pain, how to manage that pain, how to accept that pain. And the paradox, of course, is then that we move through that pain quicker and easier. Okay, so... ACT involves six core therapeutic processes, um, which really do come down to what's like what what you need to develop 
um, in order to gain that psychological flexibility. And these six processes that I'm going to talk about and I've been writing about on social media, they really do, um, well, they're designed to reduce psychological rigidity, I guess I would say, and help people develop psychological flexibility skills. Um, you know, practitioners of ACT like me really stress that these six processes are, they are, um, they are interdependent. They, they all go together. So I'm going to, you know, I'm going to go through a list of them, but it doesn't mean like the top one is the most important or that you have to work on that one first or anything like that. All six concepts go together. They, they work together. And so you can pick and choose where to start from. You could start doing a little of each, you know, they all work together. So just understanding it's not that one is better or more important than the other one. So the first one we're going to talk about is contacting the present moment. Be here now. So as human beings, we really have this tendency, our brain has this tendency to spend just this huge disproportionate amount of time ruminating about the past or worrying about the future. And this is what often leads to a great deal of unnecessary suffering. So in addition, a lot of us find ourselves on autopilot mode, which means we are unconsciously acting out preconditioned patterns from our past. You know, so you can think of things like you grew up in a certain way with a certain type of parenting or non-parenting, um, or you had a traumatic, uh, traumatic something traumatic happened to you as a child. With and whether trauma or not, we we get patterned within childhood on how to think on how to behave, on, to, on, on how to protect ourselves. And, you know, I've talked about um, this in past episodes, so I won't go into detail with a bunch of examples. But, you know, our brain is at that negative bias to really protect us. And so our brain will throw up habits, patterns of thought, habits of thought that we developed early on. And sometimes we are so unconscious of these because they are so preconditioned. We haven't done the work to really get into, huh, what am I thinking? What are, what are my habit thoughts that are holding me back here? And, and so if, if we're really holding those patterns from the past, when we on purpose go into the practice moment or into the present moment and really practice being in the present moment more often, it, it relieves us from that habitual past pattern thinking that is not bringing us to where we want to be in life. And so practicing contacting the present moment really helps us to fully experience what is going, in, going on inside us psychologically, um, if, if that's the work we're doing. And or it also allows us that moment of peace and, um, you know, can bring us a set of peace by kind of stopping that overthinking that we may do about thinking about the past or in the future. So contacting the present moment involves really bringing your awareness out of the unconscious patterns I was talking about and into the here and now so that you really can fully experience what's going on now. So being in the present moment doesn't mean you don't plan for the future or you don't look back on the past. It means you no longer fear them or judge them. So that's the difference. So 
no worrying, no ruminating. Imagining our future brings us the willingness to make helpful changes and create the life we want. And looking back over the past teaches us what we want to continue to do or not to do. So those things are still important. And being in the present moment is what brings us peace, contentment, and rich richness to our lives. So the present moment is the only time we can modify our actions and our decisions. So think about this. You know, the only time you can really make a decision or make behavior changes is in the present moment. And that's another reason why for weight loss and getting your health back, it is so important to learn how to be in the present moment because, (coughs) excuse me, what it comes down to for weight loss truly is being able in the moment to stop your hand from going to your mouth, from feeding yourself. That it's really what weight loss comes down to because if your hand is going to your mouth too often with food, um, that's why we're overeating. That's why we're gaining weight. That's why we can't live in the body, our he- the healthy body that we want to be living in. So being in the present moment more, practicing getting into the present moment more is really what then starts to, over time, create this space where you can be in the present moment with food, which you need to do in order to change that behavior. Being in the present moment really is what I would say is an art form. It's um, it's not like this list of to-do things. There, there are things you can do to help get yourself there, but it's different for each person and different strategies work differently for different people. So trying different things. The most important thing is really trying to stay. Um, the most important thing is really practicing getting into that moment over and over and over again. So here are some things, and I did write about these, um, so you can check out uh, my social media because they're broken down there. But So I'm just going to kind of go through them a little bit, um, but if you need more detail, you can head over there to read them or remind yourself, or you can re-listen to this or whatever. But to start this art form, to start, start beginning this creative process of training your brain to get into the present more, moment more often, here are some ideas. So savoring. So savoring means relishing in whatever you're doing at the present moment. Um, This could be as simple as when you're drinking coffee or brushing your teeth. And and these are good ones to use because often you want to choose something at first. What are you doing every day? So let's talk about brushing your teeth. You brush your teeth every morning. So while you're brushing your teeth or taking a shower is another great one, you really get into... um, what is happening exactly in this moment. And one of the quickest ways to do that is to go through your five senses. So while you're brushing your teeth, while you're washing the dishes, while you're taking a shower, go through your five senses. What do I feel right now? What are the sensations on top of my skin? What am I smelling? What do I smell? What do I taste in my mouth? What's it like? Is it um, metallic? Is it sweet? Is it sour? What am I... What do I see? What are my eyes seeing right now? What what am I perceiving? What colors are there? What details? What angles? Um, what did did I miss one? So we've got touch, hearing, smell, taste. Okay, yes. Yeah, so that was all the five senses: uh, hearing, taste, sight, 
touch, smell. So hopping in to those five senses, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, can really help you drop into that present moment. So that's just one um, one way to do that and can really get you into that savoring part. So the next one would be breathe, using your breath. I talk a lot about using breath and I do help my clients develop their own breath protocols for different things, helping them relax, helping them to gain some energy. Um, and everyone kind of uses a different protocol or one often works best for someone. So I'm not gonna get into all the different ones, but really just simply, if you wanna just start out with this, start getting into I mean, put little sticky notes everywhere to breathe. Have a reminder, come up on your phone, breathe. Just take a few deep breaths. And in that moment, focus on how it feels. How, what are those, what's happening with those five sensations? When you take that breath in, when you take those deep breaths, what's the temperature of the air going in and out your nose? How does it feel going in and out of your nose? Those sorts of things can drop you into the present moment. Um, okay, the other thing is, noticing new things can help get you into the present moment. So, you know, you really can train your brain to develop this habit of always noticing new things in whatever situation you're in. One way that I practice this is when I'm driving in, you know, driving wherever I've driven before in my town, I imagine I, I'm a tourist and I, I on purpose see the scenery as they would see it through their eyes. And it really gives me that feeling of like when you're on a road trip and you see beautiful scenery for the first time and that, that new, you know, it really what's happening is new neural connections are going off when you see different things. And so that's, but this is part of that trick. You really can on purpose think that way to see that way through tourist eyes and really create those new feelings of, um, being in the moment. Well, when we do this, it really allows us then to be in the present moment. So that's another one that you can do. I hope you are finding something useful from these episodes and this podcast. And if so, please share it with someone else in your life you feel it could benefit. This podcast is also now monetized. So if you really feel you are getting a lot from it and want to help keep it going, please go to the episode show notes. You can just scroll down from wherever you're listening. You'll see a description of the episode and then you will see it says support this podcast and then there's a link you can click on. You can click on that link and that's where you can support the podcast. Even the smallest donation, like 99 cents, helps to keep me producing the podcast. And to those of you who have donated, I really, really appreciate the support. I really do appreciate all of you listening and sharing the space with me. Again, just very thankful for all of you. The next part of building psychological flexibility, the next concept within the ACT um, acceptance commitment uh, therapy process or idea is this idea of diffusion and you know, I, I put like in parentheses when I was writing this up, watch your thinking. So we have this unfortunate tendency as, as with our human mind to really identify with our thoughts, to kind of fuse or hook into them. And so we often, well, almost always do this without awareness. And, and the thoughts in our head, if you really think about this, the thoughts in our head really are just words and images that we've picked up from the world around us. 
And then as a result of being fused or hooked with our thinking, we take those words and symbols that are bouncing around in our mind often way too seriously. And this can get us into a lot of trouble. For example, if you have an overly negative inner critic that is constantly telling you you're no good, then this can really have detrimental effects on your mental health and well-being because you hook into or you fuse with your, those thoughts. You believe them. They're part of you. They're you. And if you think that way, then it really does start to cause this cascade of unfortunate um, behaviors and patterns that affect health and well-being. Diffusion or unhooking from our thoughts enables us to create some distance between our awareness and our thoughts so that we can take them a little bit more lightly. We can really you know, question them. We can ask, are they true or not? We don't have to get caught up in the, the drama or the craziness that maybe, um, you know, that, that many of our thoughts will come up with. And so when a thought pops up, a good or a bad one, you can watch it come and go. Um, rather than kind of getting sucked into that cognitive vortex that takes you on this wild gooch chase around so many of the networks in your mind. So, you know, often when we're hooked or fused with thoughts, we just start swirling and ruminating and going into all these places, often worrying or rehashing the past. So diffusion really means becoming the observer of yourself, your thoughts. Think of the role of a good scientist. Their job is defined as being an observer. So this means they have to look at things, not that this always happens, but supposed to look at things in a non-biased and non-judgmental way. This purposeful state of mind is what's needed to diffuse or unhook from our thoughts. The practice of observing and not judging our thoughts creates a state of mind that is able to watch ourselves and our thoughts in a way that gives us calmness, steadiness, and much more joy. So from this practice, we can gain a lot of insight about ourselves, and then we are able to make beneficial changes in our life and for the ones ones we care about, the ones we love. So if you think about if you apply this to trying to lose weight or you know trying to... Um, live in a way that creates optimal health for you when if you are hooking into thoughts of things like I'm so fat or I'm a terrible person or um, you know I can't do this right or I can't if you really have that inner critic and you're hooking into those thoughts you're you're really believing them and acting from them and you're not stepping back and observing them and and just watching them for what they are and getting clear what happens then is you end up in that cascade of that mentality of, well, now I have to overeat or overdrink or escape in whatever way it is because I believe all these terrible things about me. But if you practice this observer role more often, what you'll notice is, yes, those thoughts come up, but because you've created a little bit of space by just simply observing them, you won't automatically hook to them. And so this is the practice of the brain. This is getting the brain into a place of not hooking in and fusing with those thoughts so that you are then able to make different decisions for yourself that are more aligned with your goals and your dreams. The next one we're going to talk about is acceptance. And acceptance 
is one of the more difficult ones I find in working with clients. It's been the more difficult one for me, but it really is opening up to the difficult thoughts, feelings, and emotions that come up within us. So instead of trying to fight them or run away from them, which honestly, most of us, that is our tactic to do. You know, our brain doesn't want us to go there because it hurts. It wants to protect us. And so automatically it moves us away from those places. But most of us understand when we repress or deflect or don't don't process those emotions, um, really negative things come up for us, whether that's relationally, whether that's health-wise, whether that's emotionally, but it really does backfire. So really the paradox is when you accept or really take on or can feel these negative experiences, these negative emotions, you really do take the power away. So acceptance is the ability to open up to difficult thoughts, feelings, and emotions that arise within us. Um, For example, a situation we can't control or a personality trait that's hard to change or an emotion that feels so overwhelming or is overwhelming to us, accepting accepting it, really feeling it can allow you to move forward. Obsessing, worrying, and playing things over and over really keep us stuck. So in this sense, when we ask why about a situation or why is this happening or why am I feeling this or why do I have to, that can really leave us helpless. So acceptance invites us to really accept the reality of the uncomfortableness, of the terribleness, of the horribleness and work with what we have. So, you know, acceptance strategies to practice include letting feelings or thoughts happen without the impulse to behave or act on them. So allowing the thoughts and feelings to be there without immediately behaving from them, without immediately taking action to try to make them go away. So observing your weakness and taking notes of your strengths, doing both both those things can help you move into acceptance mode. Having a conversation with yourself or giving yourself permission to not be good at everything. This one's really important for perfectionists or anyone who has that really kind of type A, like really having the conversation. And you guys, I will tell you, having a conversation out loud with yourself works even better. I'm writing it, journaling all this stuff is awesome. But if you're not into journaling, if you just can't make yourself do that, then having an out loud conversation with yourself, giving yourself permission to not be good at everything. Acknowledge the difficulty in your life without escaping from it or avoiding it. So no eating, drinking, drugging, checking out, distracting to get away from it. Just acknowledging this is really difficult. This situation in my life is really, really tough and I do not get good feelings from it. And it, it, so really just getting into acknowledging it. Um, another one, realize and really own that you cannot be in control of how, or sorry, really own that you can be in control of how you react, think, and feel. And this is a biggie because once we have this realization, this can be hard to really accept that in a situation, especially between two people where we really feel and believe, and reality is maybe they really did do us wrong on a moral scale, to really be able to take that and instead of reacting in that moment, be able to really take on ownership of it. And what was my part in this? Um, Really, really hard to do, but some of the most powerful work I have ever done personally and some of the most powerful work uh, clients and I have um, partnered with to do. So remember, you really got to 
practice this and taking on that mindset of acceptance does pay us back um, with peace and contentment and less intensity and frequency of the negative emotions. Remember, that's the paradox. It really allows us to then be in a place where we can make better and healthier decisions. And this includes around food and um, trying to lose weight and get into a healthy body. Just a little caveat here. People often have a hard time with this concept. If you are thinking that I'm saying that, you know, you're in this really, I mean, one of the worst scenarios I think of is like a physical abuse situation um, within a marriage or something like that. And then they hear this concept of acceptance and I'm supposed to accept that, you know, I, and I have to take ownership. And so I'm just, but no, absolutely not. If there is any sort of abuse going on, that this is not what this is. This is not what acceptance is talking about. Acceptance does not mean um, you let people walk all over you or, or you allow yourself to stay in a space of being abused. What it means is that you get very real about the situation and you recognize how it's making me feel. And then you get to make decisions from that place of acceptance. And that may often mean leaving a marriage or getting out of a, a relationship that's abusive and or not being able to get you to where you want to go in life. So just a little caveat there because often that's part of what comes up in conversation with some of my clients when we when we talk about that. Okay, so we are going to talk two more. Values. So this is huge um, in my work is really helping my clients understand what are their life values. I'm not talking about goals. I'm talking about values. What really, really matters to them in life? And so a lot of um, ACT therapy will ask questions like, sorry, yeah, ATC therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy. We will ask things to our clients like, okay, if you were to die today, what would you want the people you love to say about you? And often I can get people to figure out their values from that. So we ask a lot of these existential questions to get people into that frame of mind of what truly matters to them in life. Um, values are often, well, one of the definitions I've seen of values is, you know, it's values as desired qualities of ongoing action. So In other words, your values are your chosen life directions that describe how you want to act in the world on an ongoing basis, so on a daily basis. They can usually be expressed using verbs and adverbs like giving gratefully, listening empathetically, living courageously. So according to the ACT model, getting clear on your values is vital for living a meaningful life. And it's also about identifying what is most important to you, and then using that knowledge to guide your daily life. So that's why I really get into figuring out what, partnering with my clients to figure out, okay, what exactly are your values here? Because once we know what your values are, you can think of them like a compass. Your values are what point to your true north, giving you direction and providing guidance for daily action. And when we do this, when you put this into practice, what you find is everything you are working towards becomes so much easier and simpler. You really start to feel more content, 
more moments of joy, when you are living daily towards your values, it really starts to express this feeling of meaningfulness and purpose within your life. Um, It really is a necessary first step. So if you're not sure what your top values are, there's some online inventories you can do. You can, you know, do a little self-coaching within journaling. That can help you work with a coach to figure out some of these things. Some examples are things like, um, you know, open-mindedness, uh, health, wellness, work-family balance, community, adventure, um, finances, um, growth, purpose, freedom, integrity, generosity, and there's just so many more. And by the way, different people obviously have very different values. So it really is up to you to figure out what are yours and then what your top three to five are. And from those, we can then work out plans or ways to live everyday life um, towards these values. And remember, we have, well, we have so much research showing us that as humans, if we live towards and in our values, we will feel like we are living a very meaningful and purposeful life. And honestly, just full of more fun and joy. We experience more contentment, deeper love, healthier relationships, all the things. So if if you value health and wellness, because this is now bringing it back to, to weight loss, health, if you value health and wellness as one of your top goals and you're living at an uncomfortable or healthy weight, this is going to bring you ter- turmoil because you are not living within or towards your values. You're going to feel out of balance with yourself. You're going to feel off. You may even slip into depressive and anxious symptoms. So this is where understanding your values can really create long-term weight loss. Once we know our top values, then you know when I partner with clients, we work to, but you can do this on your own too. We work to create daily plans that incorporate living towards these values. Once they begin doing, once we begin doing these things, we begin to feel momentum, willingness, and behaviors around food begin to change, okay? Which brings me to the next premise of acceptance and commitment therapy. All right, y'all. So this one is my absolute favorite, and it is called committed action, doing what it takes. So we talked about how values um, are sort of like our compass, right? It are, it's our compass that points us to our true north. Our, our values are our guiding principles of how we need to be behaving in everyday life. And if we do those things, then that's what brings us meaning, purpose, moments of joy. But if you think about it, a compass is no good if you stay home and stare at it all day. And so as the name suggests, committed action refers to really embodying our values with integrity and then acting them out on a day-to-day basis in our day-to-day life, even if it's painful, inconvenient, or uncomfortable to do so. And I will tell you, you know, behaving towards our values can often be uncomfortable. Living in alignment with your values sometimes involves saying no to things um, and often it, it does not win you approval with others in the short term. So for example, I have a client who really values time with his family on Saturdays and he's also very involved in his business. Recently had a situation where he wanted to take care of a situation at work on Saturday, like it was causing him anxiety. So he really wanted to go take care of it, but he struggled with it because he, his, his value to have this family time on, on Saturday 
is really, really important to him. So he did come to the conclusion that, you know, his value family time, it, it's above his work. Um, it, it's a higher value for him than his work, even though he still values his work immensely. And so this helped him make the decision. He did not go into work on Saturday, which caused him feelings of anxiousness and anxiety. But because he has some other tools to deal with that, he was able to move through that anxiousness, that uncomfortableness, and end up having a really good day with his family, which then, because he made that decision to live in alignment with his values, it then caused him to feel purpose and joy and contentment, those feelings that as human beings, we really do search for often. But point being, he was still uncomfortable in that, um, which is a whole other podcast episode about how we can hold two feelings at once, which by the way, very, very possible to be uncomfortable and feel meaning and purpose. So the idea being committed action or doing what it takes is not always, often isn't, especially at first, comfortable for us when we are just starting to live day-to-day alignment with our values. Um, if you want, here's an example around food um, or weight. It, it could look like this, you know, you value health and well-being. So even though you really, really want to eat all the cookies, you take a breath, you implement some strategies you learn, you stop yourself from eating all the cookies, that's committed action. And and so understanding that you can actually get in, I mean, you have this huge food urge, trust me, I've been there, the cookie example is all mine, by the way. So you get this huge food urge, but you know your value is health, it's well-being, it's losing weight, that is a top priority, a top value for you. Because you have done this work, it is then so much easier to take the committed action to not eat the cookies, to not give into the food urge. It just becomes so much easier when you are clear on your value system. So committed action becomes clear when you are very clear. Committed action becomes easy when easier. (laughs) It's not always easy when you really have knowledge of your values. So committed action then, because you know, you, you moved through the food urge, you did not consume the cookies because of your value to gain your health back and get your body back and all these things. You are then able to really implement this committed action, which then because you did this, you followed through on what you said you were going to do, your integrity, your values, you start to feel really good about yourself. You start to build integrity with yourself. You start to feel more meaning and purpose in life. You start to feel more willingness and momentum towards your weight loss goal. So that's that's a little bit on how that committed action works. I, I love this piece because committed action is all about, well, if you think about it, how often do we take in knowledge and and we understand things and it all makes so much sense and what she's saying I totally get and I, I should start doing this and all these things, but we never take action around it. We never start to shift our behaviors. And the truth is the only way to make weight, food, body, self-relationship um, improvements or goals or growth is through action. Now, 
some of you may be saying, but Heather, you're always talking about thoughts come first, you know, thoughts, feelings, behaviors. But I want you to think about this. That is true. Our thoughts create feelings, which come along with body sensations in our body. And from these feeling sensations, we are then motivated in our behavior. We act. So in order to have committed action, we first need to know our thoughts and then how to think thoughts on purpose to create the feelings we need to feel to move us into the behavior. So understanding our values and all the previous points moves us um, into different feelings when we think or know these things about ourselves. And this creates feelings for us that we can then take committed action from and follow through on like our actions or our behaviors that we need to in order that we need to implement in order to lose the weight or really, you know, this is about anything to hit any goal or live the life you've been wanting. All right, here is the practical breakdown to really give you, okay, exactly what should I start work? You know, I love to give practical strategies of what you can start working on now or on this week. So here it is, practical breakdown on how to get you some of that psychological flexibility to get you to lose that weight and keep it off. Practice being in the present moment. Practice being the observer of yourself. Be the neutral witness. Write down what you notice about this. So so observer of yourself, observing your thoughts, no judgment. Be the neutral witness. Think about what a neutral witness of a car accident is doing, right? They they aren't on either side. It doesn't matter whose fault it was. They have they're neutral. And they witness it. They give their report to the police officer, okay? So that's what you are trying to do. That is how you have to conceptualize going going into this mode of um, observing your thoughts. Be the neutral witness. Practice acceptance of all thoughts and feelings. So feel your feelings in order to diffuse them. So accept them. And practice feeling them on purpose in order to diffuse them quicker. Next, define your values. Know what your values are. And finally, take committed action. Choose one behavior you are willing to follow through on every day that lines up with one of your top values. So if your top value or one of your top values that you want to start working on or living towards is health and wellness, weight loss, anything like that, then choose one behavior that you absolutely is doable and that you will follow through on every day to start aligning with that. So when I think of things like this, the things I'm thinking about are drink eight glasses of water every single day, okay? Something like that. I am gonna commit to going to bed um, at an earlier hour every single night for one week. Make it easy. If you're going to bed at midnight, you're not gonna start going to bed at eight o'clock. So shift the goal to, I'm going to go to bed at 11.30 every night or 11 p.m. every night. It has to be doable, y'all. It has to be doable. So again, take committed action. Choose one behavior you're willing to follow through on that lines up with one of your top values. The, The fun part of going on a weight loss or health journey and incorporating this sort of, um, what I would say theory or coaching or or this part of thought work into it all is that it really does help the weight loss happen in a way that is so much easier. It's so much more enjoyable and you not only get the weight off, but it comes off for good. Beyond that, 
what happens is we are then also in the process creating a healthier relationship with ourselves. For many of us, it starts to heal that core belief of worthlessness, which by that, the way, that core belief for which is so many of us, um, that is what really holds us back from living our life of our goals and, and dreams. Um, this process also helps to fill the hole that many overeaters and people who binge eat are really trying to fill. So along this journey, relationships with others also improves. Clients start finding more meaning, like I said, more meaning and purpose in life. So my point is incorporating this sort of work into your weight loss journey or into your life in general, even if you're not working on weight loss, really improves every other, every other aspect of your life. Okay. That is it. I'm wrapping it up. Um, Sorry, I think it did go a little bit long. Maybe not. Um, I'll have to look at the time when I'm done here. But thanks for listening. And as always, if you have any questions, you can head over to my social media um, to ask them or to my website. It's heatherheinen.com. Heinen is is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. And if you got anything useful out of this, if you would uh, be willing to leave me a review and subscribe. I would really, really appreciate appreciate it. Um, you, okay, mention my website, Instagram. You can go to Heinen Counseling and Coaching, um, at Heinen Counseling and Coaching. And I also have a recipes only page there for high protein recipes. That's at Peak Protein Recipes on Instagram. If you keep listening right now, you're going to get some information on how my clients take a deeper dive into these topics with me through online programs and coaching. It's really where you get the actual structured lessons, worksheets, journal prompts, support and coaching behind all this information I'm putting out there to help you lose your weight for good, improve your health, and live the life you've been dreaming about in the body you've been dreaming about. Did you know you can find a lot more help from me on my website? Go to heatherheinen.com. Heinen is spelled H-E-Y-N-E-N. And get in touch with questions on all things I offer, like online courses for overeating, weight loss, goal attainment, and also my coaching and counseling services.